Good evening and welcome to the City of Palm Coast Hybrid May 19th, 2021 Planning and Land Development Regulation Board meeting. Access to this meeting is being provided via live stream on the city's website at www.palmcoastgov.com and 386-223-1690. Should technological difficulties arise, the chair may recess or adjourn the meeting and advise of a time to reconvene or reschedule the meeting. If you're having problems connecting or need technical assistance, please call 386-986-2391. Public participation will work as follows. The chair will call for public participation. Those in physical attendance will be given the opportunity to address the PLDRB members by approaching the podium. When no further in-person attendees approach the podium, the chair will then call for public participation for callers that are on the line to address the board. For all callers, prior to calling in with your comments, if you're watching the meeting from our website, please mute your computer so when you call in with your comments, there is no interference. To participate via phone, please call 386-223-1690. You will need to hit star 9 to raise your hand to provide your comments when you would like to speak during public participation. You will be acknowledged by being unmuted and you will hear a message that you have been unmuted. Please begin by stating your name clearly and slowly for the record. You will have three minutes to speak. When there's 15 seconds left to your three minutes, you will hear a beep, and then at the end of your three minutes, you will hear another beep, and you will be muted at that time. You will not be disconnected from the meeting. All callers will have the opportunity to speak. Please be aware there may be a short pause as we switch to the next caller. Today is May 19th, 2021. It's approximately 5.30 p.m. Please rise and join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. Irene, would you call the roll? Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith. Here. Mrs. Lucas is excused. Mr. Albano. Here. Mr. Scully. Here. Ms. Shank. Here. Mr. Lemon. Here. Ms. Nicholson. Here. Mr. Hilton. Here. Ms. Bolt is excused. Mr. Chairman, we have a quorum. All right, thank you. First item on our agenda is approval of the minutes from our April 21st, 2021 meeting. Are there any corrections or additions? And if not, is there a motion from the board? I make a motion to approve the minutes as provided. Is there a second? I will second. Okay, there's a motion and a second. Irene, would you call the roll? Mr. Albano. Yes. Mr. Lemon. Yes. Mr. Hilton. Yes. Mr. Scully. Yes. Ms. Nicholson. Yes. Ms. Shank. Yes. Mr. Smith. Yes. The motion carries seven to zero. Thank you. Uh, item number two, a zoning map amendment from light industrial IND one to high intensity commercial COM three for a 10 plus or minus acre parcel located 1800 feet north of Whiteview Parkway on the east side of US one. This property is more commonly known as the Alamo Business Center. Uh, Mr. Tyner, who will do the city's presentation? Uh, Mr. Papa will, but just a brief introduction. Uh, this property um, was zoned industrial. It was annexed into the city um, in 2006 for the remainder of the property. It has approximately 95,000 square foot of outdoor and indoor self-storage. On the frontage, there's approximately 25,000 feet of three multi-tenant buildings. So uh, actually staff approached the, uh, the owners of the property because the, the frontage is, is more geared more towards retail. And actually, prior to us annexing into the city of Palm Coast, it was actually zoned commercial, the frontage portion. So when it, when it came up to the city, the entire property was industrial. So uh, we're, we're recommending that it, it would go to COM 3 or, or commercial for the frontage. But with that said, Mr. Papa will have the uh, staff presentation. Thank you. Uh, good evening. Mr. Chair and members of the board, Jose Papo for the commu Community Development Department. As Mr. Tyner has mentioned, I'll just go ahead and pre provide you with some background and justification for the proposed rezoning of this uh, business. What we have here is a 10 plus or minus acre parcel. It's developed. It's, uh, most folks are familiar with the Alamo Business Center, which is located on US 1. 
and it's about a quarter, quarter, quarter of a mile north of, um, of Whiteview Parkway. To the south is the African American Cultural Center, and across the street is the Town Center Business Park, which is mainly com composed of industrial uses and outdoor storage areas. So as Mr. Tyner has mentioned, developed within the Alamo Business Center site is about 95,000 square feet of uh, self-storage area, indoor and outdoor. And uh, multi-tenant buildings um, along US-1 in three separate pods. You have two pods on the northern portion of the property and one big pod along the south. And there's a photo of those multi-tenant buildings. So the proposed, going back, the, the existing future land use map designation for the parcel is mixed use. And as Mr. Tyner mentioned, the existing zoning right now is light industrial, industrial one, as when it was first annexed into the city. So the proposed amendment is to change that industrial one to a high intensity commercial or COM3 uh, zoning district which would be adjacent now to a public, semi-public use African-American Cultural Center. The industrial uses to the west, which are in Flagler County. There's a commercial two zoning district to the north and uh, multifamily residential two um, to the east. But the one thing I would highlight about that multifamily residential area to the east, if I just go back to the aerial real quick, is that there is a conservation easement between this MFR, between the existing Alamo and where you would have, uh, I believe apartments were approved for this site um, about a year, a year ago. So there is that buffer that, that serves there. And being an existing use, it's not gonna come as, come as a surprise to anyone who will eventually live in that area. So looking for its uh, consistency with a comprehensive plan, again, it's a developed site, so it is consistent with those policies that there, there'll be infrastructure available and only expanding urban uses in where, where infrastructure is available. So it is consistent with comprehensive plan policies for that. Its impact on the natural environment, there is no additional impact since it is a development site, a developed site. And it's and the same thing for its impact on public facilities. No additional impact in, as a being a, a developed site. It's no its impact on the economy. Uh, there is no perceived negative impact on the economy. The rezoning provides really for a greater variety of economic opportunity than the current zoning. And by that, uh, what we mean is that. The light industrial zoning district was a little more limited in what could go into those multi-tenant uh, spaces. Um, it would allow an office, but only if that office is tied to a, uh, a light industrial use. What the, the change will do is really expand that potential for office uses there, and that could be an office really just, it could be a professional office. It could be an office tied to, uh, let's say, a nonprofit. It would also allow for retail uses along within within those uh, multi-tenant space. Um, there was, right now, there is a sandwich shop that that's approved there, uh, Knuckle Sandwich. In order for that for that sandwich shop to go in there, it needed a special exception. If we were to bring it back to a commercial three zoning district, they would have been able to operate from that location without a special exception. So I think the, the complement of the, the high intensity or the, I would say the, the, the retail and, and office uses that would be allowed by the commercial three district is, is in complement to, of course, the, uh, what's already in the area and might provide some added services to the employees in that area. While, while the commercial three district also protects what's already existing on site and that's the, uh, the light industrial or the storage uses that are to on, on the back half of the property. So that's the, the impact on the economy. We think it's positive. 
uh, changes in circumstances or conditions. The owner is, is responding to a change in market for commercial space and at the same time expanding potential uses on that site. Um, I've briefly gone over the compatibility with approximate uses and development patterns, um, compatible with the, the parcel to the north, which is owned commercial also, to the west, which is owned for industrial use, and the area to the east conservation easement, with a, while the parcel to the south is, an African -American, is the African American Cultural Center. Does it accomplish a legitimate public purpose? Uh, we believe it does. It provides for additional retail and commercial office opportunities in an area with really limited amount of such uses at this time. I think uh, the town center business park is fairly full, and and uh, although it's only been open a short time, th there are, I mean, there is. I believe I'm just going to be muted while going online. So, um, so it does provide for complementary uses to the surrounding area, and uh, it, that is, in our, a legitimate public purpose for for the rezoning. The next slide is the recommendation slide. Uh, it's it's not changing, but. Staff is recommending that the Planning and Land Development Regulation Board recommend that City Council find this application consistent with a comprehensive plan and approve, so approve this application, number 4722, which is a zoning map amendment from Light Industrial 1 Zoning District to High Intensity Commercial. And there's the, oh, I'm sorry. And so beyond this, it will, of course, with any zoning map amendment, we will have two City Council public hearings. Uh, the applicant is here if there are any questions that uh, he needs to answer. All right. Thank you, Mr. Papa. Does the applicant wish to make any presentation? Nope. Okay. Uh, come back to the board. Are there any questions of, the, uh, of Mr. Papa or the applicant? Nope. Okay. We'll open up the public hearing. Uh, any member of the public that wishes to come forward and address the board on this subject, please come up to the podium. You'll uh, state your name and address for the record, and you have three minutes to speak. Is there anybody in the audience that wishes to come forward? All right, seeing none, are there any online? Okay, none online, okay. <clears throat> Back to the board then for any further questions or an action. I would, uh, Chairman, I'd move that uh, we recommend approval to the City Council of application number 4722 to rezone the Alamo Business Center from light industrial to high intensity commercial comp 3. And that includes finding it consistent with the comprehensive plan? Yes. Okay. Is there a second? I'll second it. In a second. Irene, would you call the roll? Mr. Albano? Yes. Mr. Lemon? Yes. Mr. Hilton? Yes. Mr. Scully? Yes. Ms. Nicholson? Yes. Ms. Shank? Yes. Mr. Smith? Yes. The motion carries 7 to 0. Thank you. We'll move on to item 3, the tribute rezoning, application number 4738. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is um, uh, rezoning. The Flagler Pioneer Group is proposing to rezone approximately 10.85 plus or minus acres of vacant located um, at East Old Kings Road and about one-third mile north of State Road 100. It's adjacent to an already existing uh, MFR2 zoning district that the uh, Planning Board recommended approval some time ago to City Council. Um, Mr. Hoover, Senior Planner, will have the uh, staff report and followed by a presentation by the applicant. Good evening, uh, Bill Hoover from the Planning Division. The uh, parcel is uh, not quite 11 acres, and it's located about 450 feet east of Old Kings Road in a one-third mile north of State Route 100. The uh, property owner wants to rezone the property from high intensity or COM 3 uh, commercial zoning district 
to the multifamily residential two or MFR two district, and you can see um, the western property line of this is at the old uh, alignment of Old Kings Road. The uh, Ravenshill Holdings LLC is a contracted purchaser of the uh, property that we're looking tonight to rezone, which is uh, approximately the east half of Track 4. Uh, they're also under purchase contract for Track 2 that's owned by the uh, same uh, seller that was rezoned. Uh, Actually, I think it came to the planning board in about November 2017, if anyone was on the planning board at that time. This is a very initial rough uh, conceptual layout that the applicant provided uh, last week. And you can see the uh, Old Kings Road in the southwest corner of the screen. Uh, the property that would be left over on track four, you can see the COM3 that's on the left side of the property. That shares an access width along the, probably about the north 50 feet of that property that would provide the second access into this site. And on the north side of that is the uh, Walmart site. And to the, uh, if, if we jump down to the bottom right-hand side of the screen. Uh, they plan on taking advantage of the uh, nice lake views there, and, and those buildings are proposed at four-story, and, and then the other buildings in yellow are three-story. There's also uh, would be six carriage homes. Some people call those uh, coach homes. And then um, as you came in on the main entrance, you'll see that pond. And then as you drove towards the lake or the east, the uh, clubhouse is there in sort of a uh, bronze color. The uh, future land use map of the site is mixed use. And you can see the mixed use pretty much runs along the Old Kings Road corridor. To the east of that, we got a big section of Graham Swamp. And then uh, this is the zoning. So we have a, a large section of high intensity commercial zoning. And so this site would uh, align next to the uh, MFR2 zoning property to the south. So they'd end up with about 22 acres. see there the, the brown would show the uh, multifamily residential two. These are the five review criteria that you get to see for most of the projects coming your way. Uh, it must not be in conflict with the public interest. Uh, if you once you get into the uh, mixed use area of the comprehensive plan you find that the MFR2 is an allowed zoning district. And in staff's uh, professional opinion, it would be compatible with the uh, other uses allowed on neighboring properties. Uh, it also needs to be consistent with the comprehensive plan and the land development code. The portion about the land development code would be applied later when they got to a technical site plan. Uh, as proposed the, uh, to MFR2, the project would meet four goals, policies, or objectives of the comprehensive plan. Note those would be in the land use element and the housing elements. Uh, it must not impose a significant hardship or liability on the city. Uh, in this case, all the public facilities are available to serve the site, including a four-lane road out front uh, that's uh, has level of service B today. And it also must not create an unreasonable net hazard or nuisance. Uh, so in staff's opinion, the high intensity commercial uses around this project on the north, west, and south are appropriate. And then on the east side, we have Graham Swamp. The closest residential 
property to this site by the way the crow flies is uh, about just under a mile to the east if you remember the culvert landings rezonings uh, I think it was 400 homes or something like that so that'd be directly to the east across Graham Swamp if you went to the north partially across the swamp and uh, the Walmart site Hidden uh, Lakes is up there as well as uh, Tuscana and, and those are about a mile away the project will also need to meet all applicable local state and federal government uh, development requirements uh, we did hold a neighborhood uh, information meeting on this uh, May 11th at Hilton Garden Inn uh, the applicant had two representatives there and uh, Mr. Tyner and I also attended uh, no one from the public uh, attended uh, there was a total of six property owners uh, listed including Walmart obviously Walmart probably not going to have a problem with uh, residential homes close to them staff has not received any correspondence from the public uh, nor spoken to anyone uh, on the rezoning the, the next steps this would go to City Council for two public <coughs> hearings um, and at that point the applicant has indicated they would apply for a tier 3 master site plan which would come before you before going to the uh, City Council for final determination planning staff recommends that the planning and land development regulation board determine the tribute rezoning application 4738 is consistent with the comprehensive plan and recommend approval to city council to rezone the 10.85 acres from high intensity commercial or com 3 to the multifamily residential 2 or mfr2 zoning district applicants team is here and has a PowerPoint presentation also all right thank you mr. Hoover uh, the applicant come forward make their presentation hear me okay yes yes okay. it has no road frontage um, you can see on this slide it does include a section of the old Kings Road or the old Kings Highway and um, so it's a, it has no neighbors so to speak really uh, I think Bill did a good job you know talking about the location I just point out that it's located really close to an interstate highway system Florida DOT State Road 100 is a strategic intermodal portion of their system and then we have a city arterial road so vehicular wise it's very well located thank you and there again in yellow is the proposed rezoning the area that we're proposing to rezone back there for me To the north, uh, it's high-intensity commercial. To the west, is the same. To the south, you can see track two that Bill spoke of a, a little bit earlier that was rezoned to multifamily several years ago. And then to the east, it's a, it's a flume conservation area, conservation wetland area. Go ahead. 
And again, the, the reason I threw this slide in there was you may hear people talk about commercial tracks. Um, tracks. Well, this 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 illustrates track two and track four, and we're asking to rezone essentially the eastern half of track four. Again, the, the, the future, we've already talked about what the current zoning, the future zoning, if this is approved, would be, would allow us to essentially reconfigure track two and be, and have enough land and enough density to, um, to allow us to do a very high quality project. And then we talked about vehicular access the site's pretty well suited for pedestrian access as well. You can see here, you can jump on a bike and go to the beach. Uh, you, you can take advantage of the Graham Swamp Trail uh, or keep heading out west on the Lehigh Trail all the way to US 1. And then you can duck into town center a couple different ways and, and have restaurants, schools, an airport, a lot of services. This chart right here is a breakdown essentially of how the units uh, how are, are calculated. Uh, in yellow, the track that we're asking to rezone, it, uh, you're allowed, uh, your code allows 12 units an acre for uplands, three units per wetland acre, and this is a breakdown between the two, totaling 246 units. The design team, I'm not gonna go through and read it, uh, just leave it that this is an absolute top shelf group of professionals uh, to produce a really great project. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Neil Stacy, who is going to be the developer. Good evening. excited about the opportunity to uh, talk about this site with you today. Again, my name is Neil Stace, and with Ravensville Holding, we are uh, the developer, different name, but same people who uh, just completed the Tuscan Reserve Apartments uh, here in Palm Coast. If you're uh, not familiar with that, it's a hop, skip, and a jump away from here, just behind the Chevy dealership, uh, Tom Gibbs Chevy dealership. Um, that particular project, uh, I'm going to reference a little bit tonight um, because it has enabled us to gain a really nice insight into the Palm Coast resident, the, uh, the styles of uh, units that they like, what they're searching for, and the fact that there is significant demand uh, for additional luxury apartments here in Palm Coast. Um, Tuscan Reserve was a uh, condominium that was originally constructed in 2007 or 8. Uh, the bank took it back uh, as, a, as a condominium, the bank took it back and it uh, sat essentially abandoned for a decade. Uh, we had the opportunity to purchase this project, renovate the existing uh, units, and then uh, construct an additional 115 units. It's been a tremendous success. Uh, we had a wonderful time working with the staff and all of the officials here in uh, Palm Coast, and uh, that uh, encouraged us to look for other opportunities here. When I say success, it, uh, uh, it's currently 100% leased, and we have a uh, 10 to 20 person waiting list as we speak right now. Um, and and we, we get calls on a daily basis, uh, not only for our project, but then there's no place else for uh, residents to move uh, in this general area. It's an incredible supply-demand imbalance that we have right now in the city, uh, and something that, uh, that uh, these units here will help to address. So with that, as I mentioned, I want to start with uh, who will live here because I think it's important. We plan to build uh, an upscale, top-of-the-market uh, type project. This site deserves that. Uh, in my opinion, it's the best multifamily site in the entire city. Uh, I live and breathe this stuff, and, and I get very excited about it. But when you see the site with its, with its uh, location, its visibility, the, uh, the beautiful, very crystal-clear lake, access to 95, it's in a commercial district uh, away from single-family homes, good traffic patterns. Uh, it, it couldn't be a better place site 
for multifamily. And as I mentioned, we just did the Tuscan Reserve, and as I'm continuing to reference, the residents that we were able to attract there, and we were a little bit stifled in what we could build. It's a small site. We were able to do a little bit more with our future project here. But this gives you a good indication of what we see. And these are interesting trends that we see of people coming to Palm Coast. The average resident here has an income of $88,500 per year, which is, in apartment terms, extremely high. It's 24% higher than the five-mile radius around the project, and a typical project would be closer to about a $40,000 to $50,000 average income. These particular residents are older. The median age of a typical multifamily project is around 30. Ours is closer to 40. And, in fact, when we asked people to fill out what their occupation was, the most checked box was retired. The people who do work are in the health care industry or they are able to work out of their homes. You're seeing people not just here in Palm Coast but all throughout Florida moving from out of state, coming into towns such as this, looking to build homes. There's a lack of available homes to move into, so that gives an impetus to rent for a year, decide if they like Palm Coast, and to put down roots. And we're seeing this as a trend that is somewhat new but is only gaining steam. I mentioned here that the ones who are working are professionals. Health care, fire industries, finance, insurance, and real estate are the most checked boxes of our residents at Tuscan Reserve. As you see, I'm mentioning, as you know, Advent Health bringing in more than 400 new jobs, less than a mile. There's very few places for them to move to and a very nice luxury community. Many of those people tend to be renters and would have a hard time finding something of the quality that we're proposing here. As I mentioned, Tuscan Reserve was the first new units that I would classify as luxury to be delivered in the city of Palm Coast since about 2009. It's just the way the real estate industry works when there's a new cycle. It always starts in the inner cities of the big cities and expands into suburbs and makes it up to Cape Town and then finally here, which puts you at a little bit of a disadvantage because you're just sort of behind the curve through no fault of your own. But now it's very clear that there is a supply-demand imbalance, and we're looking forward to being able to mitigate some of that. This slide here you've seen plenty of times before, but just to reorient you, we're surrounded by commercial uses here, many of which are yet to be developed, and we think that the housing that we're going to bring here will help bring new businesses to the area as well. Again, being what we expect to be an affluent renter, that that will be a positive for development of new retail in the area, as well as other businesses who are looking to move to Palm Coast. They will ask questions such as, what is your available housing stock? And we would be able to answer that question more in the affirmative with more units. And you've seen this before. I'll go into a little bit more detail here without trying to get too deep in the weeds. As Mr. Hoover mentioned, this is very conceptual at this point. This is just a rezone. It's not a full site plan approval process. So this is something that is likely to change in the specifics but not in the intention of what we're trying to accomplish. So we can speak affirmatively to the ideas of what we're looking to construct. We're going to focus it in the name, the tribute, which at first sounds maybe like it doesn't make a lot of sense. I'll explain that here. On the western boundary between the track four that we are not looking to rezone and the track that we are, you will see that it is the historic Old King Trail. And we have engaged an archaeologist by the name of Dana St. Clair who is not here with us tonight, even though he has slides. So we will go through those quickly. I'll do my best to put on my archaeologist hat. But it's very fascinating. If you're not familiar with the Old King's Road, as I understand it, it was a road that was built by the British back in the 1770s that has been preserved in some places, developed over in many places, but it ran all the way from New Smyrna Beach all the way up to Savannah. And it was a main supply route for the British troops. 
back in the Revolutionary War. And before that, I think it was an Indian trail, which is how they decided to use this in the first place. And it's something that I find, as a historical nut, very fascinating and something that we have the ability to preserve. And I would like to be able to do that. You'll notice that near the exit ramp there, we have notated a visitor's parking lot. We will engage the archaeologists to work with the state up in Tallahassee to notate this site. We'll put a kiosk of all the historical importance of this, and we will invite the public to be able to have access to this particular section. It goes many miles, as you can imagine, and obviously we can only preserve our part, but that's something that we think is very important to do, and we have the ability to do it. I'm excited to be able to do that. So that's where the name, the tribute, comes from. It's the tributes of this particular road. I mentioned the lake that's in the southeastern portion. Clearly, from an amenity standpoint, we want to be able to utilize that as an amenity for our residents. To me, building a community is about just that. It's not just apartment homes. We like to be able to create something that people can enjoy, not just in between their four walls, but also throughout the entire 22 acres. And so we plan to over-amenitize this site and get people. It's Florida. We like to do things that I'm not saying we're reinventing the wheel, but we do put an emphasis on outdoor amenities. So one of the things that we did at Tuscan Reserve that we'll recreate here is you'll see a pier leading up to a seating gazebo out in the middle of the lake. Again, we'll orient these units with wonderful lake views, and if they don't have those, we'll try and take advantage of the wetland views. And we'll have big seating areas as well as infinity-edge pool. The Old Kings Road is going to be the emphasis and the inspiration for our archaeological style, which I envision as like an old Florida, Charleston, Savannah type of white batten board archaeology. I have some pictures here of what we asked the architect to put together. And again, it's very early, but you'll notice the type of architectural style that we're intending to replicate. Lots of windows, some porches, the A-frame roofs, white boards. So these are the types of things that I think, again, lend to the project in being cohesive. Going back to this slide here, as you'll notice, and again, this will be tweaked, but what we're going to try and create is as you come in the entry, the site is well-treed. Our landscape architect that we hire is one of the best in the area who actually designed the Jurassic Park ride at Universal a while back. At Tuscan Reserve, we don't have to do this, but we planted, we were required to put in 97 trees. We put in 245. It's something that we think, it's not that expensive, but it's something we choose to do because we think it really adds to the ambiance that we're trying to create. So when you come in, we're probably going to move that pond a little bit and create a little bit of a trail because one of the things that doesn't work in our favor is it's a little bit of a jog to get over to where the clubhouse is so you can enjoy the pool and the beautiful, the infinity-edge pool overlooking the lake. But we're going to design that kind of like a, I use an example of a Magnolia Lane at Augusta National where you're going to drive through a beautiful treed entryway into, and you'll see a little cabin in the woods and that'll be your clubhouse. So one of the beautiful things with 23 acres, it's extremely low density, allows us to take advantage of that and we will absolutely do that. Again, just sort of talking about the amenities, I'm not going to read through all of these. They're there for you to review. It's basically the same thing as mentioned here. Here's some pictures of Tuscan Reserve. Again, this is not the project that we're going to build. It's what we have built and it'll show some of the things that we did. Again, there's an example of our pier and the pool with the landscaping. There's an example of the private garage that we will have a few of those as well and those will match the architectural style of the building. Here's an example of the seating areas that we provide as neighborhood areas. We like to do things such as food truck events and really allow the community to get to know each other. It's important to us. Just another view here of that seating area as well. Here's an example of an aerial of the project. The reason I bring this in is because we were concerned about the fact that we were going to have to build a lot of these buildings. We were going to have to build a lot of these buildings. We were going to have to build a lot of these buildings. We were going to have to build a lot of these buildings. We were going to have to build
constrained. As I mentioned, it was only eight acres here, and we had to take what was essentially a busted project and turn it into something that I think the community can be proud of. We had to have the parking on the outside, and essentially the site plan was designed for us, but you'll notice we still have trails in the western part here in the triangle. You'll see we have a putting green. We have just a number of things that they would like to integrate, and we'll be able to do even more of that with the acreage almost three times the size. So two times the number of units, three times the size. Somebody asked me what makes it a luxury apartment, and obviously the interior finishes are important, and you can see some of these here. One of the things that I think is important is that we'd like to provide a little larger units. This is somebody's home, and things such as storage space are very important, so we have coat closets. We have large walk-in closets in bedrooms, pantries for food. These are the types of things that an extra 100 square feet on average of a unit that we try to provide maybe to the competition. Not everybody. We're not the only ones with that philosophy, but we think it's important. Also with luxury, we like to do things that maybe you don't get credit for, but the people who live there like. Sound penetration, it's multifamily, but we put in additional sound penetration between the floor ceiling assemblies so that you don't hear neighbors walking quite as much. We put sound penetration between the walls to try and make sure you don't hear your neighbor's conversations. Again, when people are shopping for an apartment, they don't ask that question. They won't pay any more rent for it, but they sure are happy when they live there. And here's, again, just some examples of what we did at Tuscany Third. And this is when my archaeologist friend was going to speak on the Old King's Road. So this is not my forte, but I will do my best to paraphrase what's here, and I find this very fascinating. So, again, built in the 1770s, and when Florida stayed loyal to the crown, it became really a home base for a supply route for the war effort for those trades. And you see, he calls it essentially the first interstate highway in America, and you see some areas that have been preserved locally from here. Here's one where the original mason bricks exist. And so that's just something that we, again, will look to maintain and preserve, and we will protect that on our property. This will be our traffic study, and as it stands, I'm going to turn this over here to Mr. Charlie again, who will take this presentation up. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'm not Sam's Lasseter, but he put a lot of work into this. And I'm not going to – traffic engineering can be really, really dry, and you all have probably already discovered that. So I'm not going to dwell on it. Essentially, we ask him, traffic-wise, what does this mean? Right now, currently, it's zoned high-intensity commercial. If we take it to multifamily, what's it going to do to the cars, the trips? So what this is is this amount of acres is vested through an older, earlier agreement that you're going to hear a little bit more about shortly. And to a .2 FAR, so if you use .2 FAR in this many acres, it yields 94,000, 95,000 square foot shopping center. That, using the IT generation, that will yield 4,500, 4,600 trips, daily trips, and 414 peak hours. If you take that same amount of acres, you downzone it to multifamily, you yield roughly 123 apartments. The daily trips are 700. Peak hours go all the way down to 54. This would take me five minutes to walk you through it. If you want the five minutes dissertation, I'll give it to you. Otherwise, I'll try to answer questions. And now I'm going to turn it over to Jay Livingston to wrap things up. Thank you. Good evening, 
Peterson here. Um, I represent Flagler Pioneer Group, uh, which is the landowner of this piece as well as the, the piece to the south. Um, staff, you know, did an excellent job in terms of summarizing the comprehensive plan. Uh, there's a few things we want to highlight, a few other things we want to point out. Before I get onto the slides, um, Mr. Faulkner mentioned the, uh, the agreement and some vested rights. Um, the, when the city and the landowner, Flagler Pioneer Group, as well as Bruce Point, which is the owner to the south, um, worked on the realignment of Old Kings Road, there was an agreement that they entered into which allowed them to transfer the, the existing right-of-way, which we drive on now, with um, the old Old Kings right-of-way that now goes through the middle of the site. And that agreement, um, we transferred the land. We also were able to parcelize these lots because we were creating new parcels that didn't exist before. We had to build them in the middle of it. That's the genesis of the track two, the track four. That agreement also vested these properties with concurrency at a point two FAR um, that's built into the agreement in exchange for the contribution to the transportation system. Um, so those numbers that, I, that, that Mr. Lasseter prepared are based vested in that. The actual FAR in Com 3 is 0.5. So right now we don't have a concurrency issue. Um, we're at level of service B um, with a level of service C standard. So the intensity of development can actually exceed what you saw um, in those numbers um, based upon the land development code for area ratios. Um, I just wanted to point that out because um, what was vested in terms of what we're protected against a concurrency problem in the future, we don't have it right now. You could build up to the maximum amount without creating any problems. Um, so um, this is a different detail of the future land use map. Um, and as you can see, in addition to it being primarily mixed use, um, the, when the city adopted its future land use map, it adopted certain areas that have circles on them, and those are village centers. Um, they're scattered throughout the city. One of them was this area. And one of the unique things about village centers was that um, it, um, it, it encouraged not only a mixed-use development, but also a um, mixture of, of personal use and city land activities. In fact, the um, desirable mix of land uses in the village center, this is a comprehensive plan policy, is a, a up to 25% market plan yielded benefit. So in terms of the original comprehensive plan of the city, the comprehensive plan of the city now, the, the concept always was that there would be residential in all mixed-use areas, because that's the whole purpose of the mixed-use designation. But in these village centers, the concept of creating a, a true mix, where you'd have that integration, this is one of those areas that was originally planned for that. Um, obviously, we moved in that direction with the original rezoning. Now we're just adding some acreage to it to, um, to achieve the, the quality of product that, that Mr. Stacy spoke about. I'm not going to go through these. These were also covered in, in the, um, the staff report, but um, the, the housing element of the comprehensive plan does call for a, a diversity of housing types. Uh, we believe this contributes to that. Um, there's not only a market demand for this type of housing type, but there's also um, still, even though we have made a lot of progress in that regard, when this policy was originally adopted, um, the, um, the findings of the comprehensive plan was that we had way too many quarter-acre lots in one place without any other types of housing types. Now, we've made a lot of progress in that regard over the years, but there's still a lot of progress that needs to be made, and this project contributes to that and meets the, the, the intent of these goals from the comprehensive plan. And this is kind of circling back to the Old Kings Road, because this is such an important part of this project. Um, I took a little bit of a closer look at the site plan um, for this slide so you could see it, but the concept is to create this linear park um, which fulfills comprehensive plan goal, comp goal 4.5, which is to promote cultural resources. Um, this linear park will serve as a way for the public to access it, but we interpreted a, an attempt by Mr. St. Clair to provide um, some interpretation of the archaeological resources that are there. Um, it also will, um, hopefully, when the rest of the, this area develops, will be able to be tied into the, to the pedestrian network, which already exists. That map that Mr. Faulkner showed you is all the existing pathways. The city did everybody a service when they put in Old Kings Road when, with the realignment because they put that sidewalk in on the side with the bike paths. Those tie into the sidewalk that goes, which straight will 100, which you can take all the way over the bridge to the pier if you want to. 
um, Graham Swamp, back to Colbert, you can take Roberts Road around, all those, where there's any sidewalks missing right now, as you can know with the developments happening, they're all being tied together. I mean, you really can go from the top of the county um, all, all the way to the beach but from this site without ever having to get on a road with the exception of crosswalks along the way. So that's a, a really um, nice thing and it's something that we should all be proud of in the city because not a lot of cities have accomplished that kind of integration um, so early in its, in its life. Usually it's done after the fact and it's too late to do it right. So um, the people who were involved in that over the years deserve the credit for what they've accomplished. Um, I included in this map, um, I found a really cool map from 1867 of Florida. I wish I could have provided the whole thing, but it was way too big, so you guys could all steal a copy of it. It's a really cool map because, you know, it's before they dug the big ditch and you can see what Florida looks like. But I was able to find our part of the, of the state, and as you can see, we have Smith's Creek and Yulo and Tomoka, um, and you can see the location of the King's Road there. Um, and that is why, because of some of this historical data, this is why we believe that the Old King's Road segment that's here and the other places it's been looked at is part of that original, that original construction that, that um, the British you know, laid down the hardtop, but I think the actual trail goes back before anyone remembers because it's a sandy ridge that is a perfect place to get along the coast. Um, so Native Americans um, taking or using it before the British co-opted it and put down bricks and made it, um, made it a, a more um, stabilized thoroughfare along the entire coast. Uh, so last time I was before you, um, since we were talking about a project that was not really similar to this one, but involved changing the land use from the predominantly commercial um, office um, entitlements along Old King's Road, a question was asked about, you know, should we be giving up entitlements? And it's an excellent question because um, there's what looks like on the map significant entitlements. What those actually are, um, I think, deserves a more extensive analysis. So, so we did that. Um, what we did, what I did here is I went through, and you can every single parcel used in the analysis is listed at the bottom. The ones that are highlighted are ones that have split zoning on them. So I couldn't confirm the acreage to a T using the, the city's GIS map and clearly we're able to get very close as it says and I rounded down everything to avoid any, any, any overstatements of the entitlements. I excluded a significant amount of entitlements from this chart as well. I did not include the Old Kings Gardens project because that application was still pending. Whether if it moves forward it would be changed the property to GPX so there was no reason to include that. I also excluded um, a couple with ones that were so split by meandering cons conservation um, areas that I couldn't um, determine the acreage. That includes lot 12 at Kings Point, which is eight acres. Um, Old Kings Gardens was, is 52 acres, so those are not included in this table. Um, taking what I did include as listed in the, um, in the charts, um, this is the approximate acreage. So we have 105 acres of Com 2. This is from Old Kings Road to Palm Coast Parkway. We have 105 acres of Com 2, 117 acres of Com 3, 19 acres of Office 1, and 27 acres of Office 2. Um, the permitted floor area ratio in the land development code is shown, and, that, and then the totals of what that adds up to in terms of floor area that can be constructed with these entitlements. Um, it's a total between the combined two and three of the, of the commercial designation of 4,378,114. Um, and then with the Office 1 and 2, 801,456 square feet. So significant entitlements that can be built not including this project, not including the 52 acres at, at um, the Old Kings Gardens, not including Lot 12 at Kings Point, and a few other areas that were cut out um, because of just the difficulty of determining the actual acreage. Um, now, what does that mean? Um, it's pretty interesting what it means. Um, we're all familiar with this building because we're inside of it right now. Um, I use this as a comparison to, for office because we can see the size. And based upon the office entitlements just on that segment of Old Kings Road, so this is not including town center, this is not including all the other commercial land that's in the city, we can build 19 city halls in terms of office space um, of what's being left over not including the office that's at Old Kings Gardens and some other parcels. So 19 city halls, we have enough space for that under existing city entitlements. Um, it also amounts to 15 city centers, which we all know because it's, you can 
walk out and look at it. Um, so we can build 15 of those. So significant op opportunities still to build office space, even with this rezoning. Um, Commercial is even a little bit more intense. Um, if we wanted to build five Volusia malls, we have enough entitlements to do that just on Old Kings Road in terms of the overall square area as well. So as you can see, there's eight, uh, according to uh, Volusia Mall's uh, leasing page, they have 844,193 um, leasable square feet. And um, that's the equivalent of, of, five, of five Volusia Malls. So um, of what we, what we can build on Old Kings Road. Um, and then a little bit of a better context, I think, because of what would probably go up. That would be 12 cancer outlets, which we're all familiar with. That's just this particular facility. We've, if you've been to Tampa, you know there's other facilities around it. You could build 12 of just that facility that's highlighted there, not the Sam's Club, not the Blaze Pizza, and other places that they are. So it, it's way, probably enough in commercial and office entitlements on Old Kings Road now to service the entire city. And those are just the entitlements in that corridor. Um, and ending with a, pro with a picture of the project. Um, <coughs> So, you know, as, as the staff report shows, this is consistent with the comprehensive plan um, in a number of ways. Um, it's going to satisfy a demand that the city clearly has um, for these, these um, luxury type apartments. Uh, the one that we have that Mr. Stacey spoke about is overbooked and has a waiting list, so this will satisfy that demand. And, um, and it's a really good way to meet that village center standard in the comprehensive plan to create a, a, a community that has that integrated commercial and residential component without impacting a residential neighborhood, without creating any traffic problems, if anything, reducing traffic problems next to a road that's already been improved, four lanes of sidewalks, um, and, and will hopefully contribute to, toward spurring some of the, of the commercial development that we're hoping for. Um, although they didn't show up, I did speak to the general counsel for Walmart, um, and um, he was very excited that there were rooftops going up Questions of the staff or applicant? I have a question for uh, City Council. Um, I think I have a conflict here. The current property owner is a family member of mine. So, yes, um, depending on the nature of your relationship, um, what kind of relative it is. But so he's my brother-in-law. He's married to my sister. Okay. Okay, so yes, please, um, if you would fill out, Irene can give you the form to fill out and indicate that you have a conflict. Oh. <coughs> Sorry. That's all right. Any other uh, questions from the board of the applicant or staff? Okay. I have one question. Um, what is the vision, if you have one, or any knowledge of for the balance of track four? it's going to maintain its commercial three zoning designation. Um, we've, we've looked at a couple of options um, in terms of maybe subdividing into three parcels or two parcels. Um, there's a shared access easement with Walmart that I'm attempting to let Walmart let us build now so we can actually integrate those into the project. Otherwise, there'll be some kind of a secondary, secondary access until that ultimately develops. Um, so that has to be integrated into it. Um, Without having any specific buyers or developers in mind, my guess is, is that this project is going to ultimately define what goes there because it's going to affect what you want to put there and not there. You're also going to have the benefit of that linear park that's now going to be dividing the dividing line between the two things. So um, no specific uses, but it would be anything compatible with this use that's uh, permitted in the Comp 3 Zoning District. That's the best we can tell you right now because we yeah. haven't had any, any inquiries. Hopefully, these types of developments start driving that, that kind of development. Any other questions from the board? All right. We'll open the public hearing. Uh, any member of the public that wishes to address the board on this matter, come forward, state your name and address. You will have three minutes to address the board. 
Anyone here wishes to address the board? Okay, seeing none, are there any online? None online? Okay, any further staff or applicant comments? All right, back to the board. What's your pleasure? I would like to make a motion to approve application number 4738, that it is consistent with the comprehensive plan and recommend the rezoning of 10.85 acres from high intensity commercial COM 3 to the multifamily residential two zoning district. All right, is there a second to the motion? Second. All right, there's a motion and a second. Irene, would you call the roll? Mr. Alba, I'm sorry. <laughs> Mr. Lemon. Yes. Mr. Hilton. Yes. Mr. Scully. Yes. Mr. Nicholson. That's Mrs. Nicholson, Ms. and Nicholson. she says yes, too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Ms. Shank. Yes. Mr. Smith. Yes. The motion carries six to zero. All right. Thank you very much. A nice presentation from the staff and the applicant. Thank you. Yep. Excellent presentation. Is there anything else from the staff? No, sir. I'm good. All right, anything from the board? I did have a reminder that um, May 26th, we have our Citizen Advisory Task Force meeting here at 530, and you should have all received the agenda already. All right, thank you. Is there a motion to adjourn? Yes. Adjourn. <laughs> I'll second. All, right. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? We're adjourned. Aye.